Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, we are hearing that there is a crisis for Limerick parents in the childcare sector. People are struggling to find places for their children. And to tell us more about this this morning, we have Marion Quinn, who is with the Irish Association of Childcare Professionals, and Eric Nelligan as well, who is a father of three and also is with Antu, the political party. Good morning to you both this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Eric, you raised this issue. You think uh, it, it's a huge problem, particularly in the Castle Troy area at the moment. Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's a major problem in Castle Troy. Um, population Castle Troy is growing constantly. Uh, every patch of ground out in Castle Troy is nearly being converted into a housing estate. And we're not getting the same level of facilities being provided. So facilities to to live and work and stay in your community as much as possible. And on recent canvases in the in the local estates, a load of young parents are raising the, uh, the fact that they're having great trouble finding a spot for their child. Um, as I'm sure most of your listeners are aware, Castle Troy is probably the, the fastest growing estate in the city, and or the suburban city, I should say. And we don't um, we don't have the places to put children. We have secondary schools, we have primary school places, but we don't have childcare. So it means that despite the fact that a lot of parents can work in Castle Troy, they have to leave it to find uh, childcare, to go back to Castle Troy, which is not suitable in this day and age, and with traffic and congestion and all that, it's not something we want. Eric, you've a couple of kids in childcare at the moment, have you? I do. I have two. I have three kids, two in childcare and one in primary school. And literally, as soon as we found out we were pregnant, um, as soon as we, we got the blue line on the test, we went down to our uh, our, our, our crash and we booked our child in. It had to be done, and even then, we were well we were well on the list. Do you know I mean we had to? It has to be done. If any parents or any parents be listening to this, if you have a child coming up, start planning ASAP to get your child into a spot because there's such a shortage. I suppose one of the complaints and one of the things that was raised with me is that um, with all these estates being granted the permission, there needs to be facilities put in with them at the start. So that uh, when planning permission is being granted, that the first thing you should do is consider putting in a childcare provider within the estate or close to the estate so that permission is granted. And that's just not happening, unfortunately, at the moment. Okay. well, as I mentioned, uh, Marion Quinn is also with us this morning from the Irish Association of Childcare Professionals. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Gillian. Um, Marion, Eric is saying there that these facilities should be put into places. But childcare facilities, as I understand them, are not like schools, as in the state provides schools. The state doesn't actually really provide very many childcare facilities at all. Most of them are privately run businesses. Is that not right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the reality is the state doesn't actually, well, it's starting to, doesn't really provide primary schools either. It funds um, primary schools and they are technically privately owned, I mean, typically by religious um, or whatever. Um, so I suppose the early years, is, so childcare is transitioning to that type of model where it's significantly government funded, um, you know, having to meet particular criteria, etc., um, to receive the funding and, and to, to be operational. Um, so we are, while it is majority, well, it's all private provider, because even, even community um, services are technically um, considered private, as in they're, they're separate from the state, they're funded by them, um, but they don't have a, a private individual who owns them. 
Um, so we are transitioning to a model where it is, um, as I say, significantly government funded um, and bound by certain criteria in order to be able to, to remain open. But I mean, Eric is right. Um, we do have a huge shortage um, in relation to you know, early year spaces, um, particularly for babies and toddlers. And, um, and that's something that has been ongoing for a number of years and, and has, has been getting worse. I mean, you know, parents trying to find places for babies and toddlers, um, it's, it's next to impossible. And the fact that it is this way and it's not something that's provided by the state, I mean, essentially then we're relying on the market to ensure that there are enough facilities for people in places like Castle Troy, which is growing very fast, as Eric mentioned. But we all know that the Raheen Mungret Doyle area is snapping at the heels of Castle Troy because there's so many plans for house building in that area as well. Uh, you know, unless the market decides that there's money to be made, nobody's going to open these childcare facilities. Well, yeah, that's true. And I suppose, I mean, that, that's something in terms of for, you know, kind of working with planning authorities. I mean, the requirement is, you know, that when a certain amount of houses are up, um, that there's supposed to be provision for um, an earlier setting in that, in, that, um, in that estate or in that area. Um, and that hasn't been happening. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the building that was to be, you know, that could be used for earlier wasn't pro- developed, you know, to, to a decent specification um, so that there'd be a significant number of children being able to go in there. So, yeah, so then it does become unviable. It doesn't become um, an option for maybe for a provider going in there. Um, but, I mean, we the reality is there is there is, has been a significant increase. So coming from a very, very low base, and I'm not defending the lack of spending that has been going on um, with successive governments at all, um, but coming from a very low base of spending, um, there is a significant increase and a significant commitment to increasing um, kind of funding over the over the next number of years. Um, you know, in fact, doubling um, the level of funding and, and going beyond that then um, beyond 2028. Um, so this is so there is a plan in place. Unfortunately, the plan needed to have been in place. You know, good 20, 30 years ago in terms of planning for you know for, for children, for parents, for the economy, etc. Um, and that didn't happen. So so we are going to be significantly behind the curve um, which is not going to be any um, you know ease for parents to hear that you know who are who are in the space where they need you know a, a place for their babies and toddlers in particular and, and the younger children in school age childcare as well um, you know over the next coming years we're going to continue to have shortages for a while yet. Eric I mean listening to Marion there what do you see the solution I mean you want the facilities to be in place because it's a fast growing suburb but again if the money can't be made, who's going to open the business? Well, um, for me, the, the, the fees for childcare are quite high. The reason they, they are quite high, and this is and yet um, the pay look, that they receive is very low. Yes, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I'm not in the industry to know where the money is going. All I know is I'm paying out a lot more than my mortgage on a month on a monthly basis for my two children to attend childcare. So the money is going into the system, but I don't know what's happening once it gets in there. So money can be made. Um, it's just a matter of the people in the industry figuring out how. I'm looking at it from a planning point of view. So, for instance, at the moment there is planning permission, there is an attempt to get planning permission for a new estate on Walker's Road or a new development on the Walker's Road. And the proposal in with the council um, is not mandating that a childcare facility will go in there. However, one can be added but I want to make sure that the council force or empower 
the developer to put in a childcare for, for there, there, there could be the option of adding a building that would bring 34 places. So 34 extra childcare places to the Castle Troy area and something that should be done. And I feel that should be done at the start. Like within Castle Troy, there is a shortage. So it's, there is the opportunity for some business person to open up, make money, um, make a reasonable living, pay their employees as well, and everyone can be happy. And so for me, it's up to the council to ensure that when all these new estates are being built, <clears throat> that appropriate level of childcare is put in there. And thankfully, uh, those buildings then can be repurposed at a later stage if the demand drops. So it's not like it can only ever be a childcare provider. It's a general building that can be um, repurposed to be an, another business at some stage in the future if the, if the population trends change. What we have is we have, according to the Castle Troy Area Development Plan, we have a thousand children under the age of five in Castle Troy. There, by my reckoning, when I contacted the providers in the last couple of weeks, there is only space. There's only um, childcare places for about two hundred of those five or of those thousands. So that's about twenty percent. So the other children need to be accommodated somewhere. And while there are other methods of doing it, you might have grandparents helping. You may even have some parents staying at home. That is, a, there's a big difference between the number of official places that can be there amongst registered childcare providers and the actual number of children being born and living in the catchment area. So I'm asking the we- council who are on this, make sure that childcare is a requirement for a new housing estate of over a certain number of houses. Well, it's interesting. Those stats are interesting, Eric, because as you say, some people are you know, going to have the option of using um, grandparents. They might be using a private childminder or um, perhaps, you know, deciding to stay home themselves. Nothing wrong with that. But every child's entitled to the free um, year in preschool, you know, the, the play school uh, year. <coughs> are there enough places for that? It's, yes. It, thankfully, it seems that there are, there, there are a good number of places for that. Um, Marion will probably be able to give you better detail than I, but the, the the number of children per employee varies as the ages yeah. go up. So Marion can give you the exact numbers, but as far as I know, it could be something like three or four for the youngest age group, and then it goes up to, to a better or a larger ratio as you go up. So I don't think the problem is as much when you go up. It's definitely on children that are probably under the age of three before they qualify okay. for the for the e for the ECC scheme. So Marion can probably give you better detail than that. But that seems to be the big problem is the younger children, the toddlers, the the, the under the age of three before they get into the system for the for the free preschool places. Okay, well, Marion, that, that seems to make sense. Obviously, you need uh, more staff for the younger babies than you would for uh, those attending the preschool year. But Eric describes a lovely picture there of, you know, cre- providing this building that where you'd have somebody who's making money on the business, paying their staff well, and the children are getting places. Are there any models out there at the moment you think that are thriving? Absolutely. Um, well, thriving. I think they're 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 significantly sustainable, and and the the provider who's invested in the service is able to to make a return. Um, there there are. I mean, you know, when you've when you've got um, services that have got um, you know a significant number of rooms for that ECCE program, so that that free preschool um, program for for children, um, and if they've got you know after school. So in, in in other words, if they're able to run a service throughout the full day, they tend to be able to make a return in income. Um, but I suppose the difference. Difficulty has been all along 
um, babies and toddlers because of the ratio. So, you know, babies it's one to three and then it goes to, you know, for toddlers it goes to one to five. Um, that's, a, that's a very expensive model. Even when staff are, are not being paid, um, you know, even, even to the living wage, that still is an expensive model. It's very labour intensive. Um, so it can be difficult to attract and retain staff at that level, I suppose. That's why a lot of the services that, that you know, operate um, went for the ECCE, um, you know, which is one to 11, um, you know, for, for that particular ratio. Um, but that doesn't support. So while that can be brilliant for children, um, you know, at, at that stage, you know, from three years of on, three to five years of age, in terms of, you know, being able to get their to access to their preschool, um, it doesn't help families where parents are, you know, um, going to work and they need a space for the child for, for the, for the, you know, for the full day. Um, but it just it, it hasn't been financially viable, um, you know, for services in terms of babies and toddlers. And I suppose, again, that, that's where, you know, kind of looking over the next coming years and it, and it doesn't help parents who are stuck now. But over the next coming years, um, more funding is particularly going into the babies and toddlers to make that a more financially viable. Because to date, and, and while you hate talking about anything in relation to children as loss making, but to date, it has been loss making um, for any service that has had babies. Uh, with toddlers, it probably is break even. But for babies, um, it has been loss making and it has been sub, um, you know, um, the supplemented in terms of the cost by that free preschool year because there is um, there is more money in that in that um, model of of, um, of provision you know there's, there's more given from the state from that and that, that was a lot that was a, a a definite oversight in relation to putting the significant amount of funding into over threes and not realizing well actually look yeah childminders and um, grandparents you know um, families your parents somebody staying at home and um, with the children but there was still going to be ch- um, families who needed um, spaces for their babies and toddlers and that just wasn't planned for um, so I think that's something that can be developed um, but you know I, I, we're coming from behind unfortunately Finally Marion just to listeners making the point that many childcare providers haven't returned to the services that they provided pre-pandemic that there are still a lot of restrictions in place in terms of the times that you can drop off and collect and it doesn't always suit parents mm. what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is that is a difficulty, and I suppose um, very often where the providers are coming from is they're short on staff, um, and if they're short on staff, they they um, by having a cut date, they don't need to have a second lot of staff. You know, say by the time some people finish, other people needing to come in for the latter half of the day or for cover for breaks, etc., because they're able to work through one staff cohort. So while they're short with staff, either because they can't get them, um, or because you know with the level of um, with the level of people out, you know, on the county getting COVID, um, that they've they've had to maintain those hours. I mean, the the plan and the hope would be uh, or should be um, that it returns to the full level of service but until we have sufficient number of staff in services um, and continuity in relation to that because otherwise what would happen is um, they would have to be shutting rooms um, you know uh, because when they're short staffed um, but by this way they're able to keep the rooms open um, in the main um, I mean obviously sometimes you know even the, the, the level of staff they have um, still means that rooms have to shut but by by shortening the day they, they don't need as many relief staff you know, um, for, for breaks or for, you know, when, when staff have finished their hours and they go home, but the children are still there for another couple of hours. Um, okay. So, right. yeah, so there's still a, a catch there. Right, OK. Well, we have to leave it there for this morning, but uh, our thanks to Marianne Quinn and also to Eric Nelligan for joining us on this. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.